HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You there, lad. What are we listening to? Heritage Radio Network, sir. Very good. I'm Sir Kensington, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's November 8th, 2016. We're going to be talking about pumpkin beers and the Long Island Cheese Pumpkin Project. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Hey, uh, thanks to our sponsors, Union Beer Distributors, suppliers of world-class ales and lagers. And if you'd like to tweet about or at the show, at beer underscore sessions. All right, so we've got some special guests today. First, uh, my good buddy, Laura Luciano, known as at Out East Foodie. You've written for Edible right. East End. And, and you've been part of many of the food cook-offs at Jimmy's Number 43 over there, including the Castle Lake cook-off. That's right. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm, I was really excited about this. You, you're you're going to tell us about the project, what you're doing, but you, you approached me about hosting this weekend at Jimmy's Number 43, uh, you know, a, an event around this this vegetable, the pumpkin. The pumpkin, yeah. And we have a panel and amateur cook-off and chef cook-off and a dinner on Monday. That's right. All at Jimmy's Number 43.com. But tell us tell us about the project. Give us an overview. And, and Cheryl Frey's here, too. You guys are going to tell us a little about the overview of this project, how you guys got involved in it. And then Ken Ettinger's going to tell us about what the hell the Long Island cheese pumpkin is. Because <laughs> I don't know anything about it. <laughs> well... All right, so I'll begin. About a year ago, uh, the Long Island Regional Sea Consortium, I partnered with the Long Island Regional Sea Consortium with uh, Cheryl Frey and Steph Gaylor, um, and we said, you know, it would be really cool to start championing regional varieties. And so the cheese pumpkin was a variety that we thought was a tangible, uh, not only conceptually, but also from the palate. It's also a, a variety that is regional to our area to uh, Long Island. And so um, this project um, stands for many things. Uh, It stands for uh, food diversity and talking about regional varieties uh, that need to be championed. Uh, Because, you know, I think nowadays there are other varieties that are kind of hijacking, or I should say not kind of are, uh, they are hijacking um, varieties that should be celebrated. And this pumpkin um, basically has has been relegated to the porch due to the modernization of the camp pumpkin industry. And um, we're trying to take this pumpkin from the porch to the kitchen to bring it back into the culinary vernacular. This is kind of what's going on in, in food, slow food, slow food arc. 
seed savers kind of projects, right? That's right. That's right. So the, so the Long Island cheese pumpkin is on the arc of taste. Um, so it is a variety that we are championing. Um, and uh, we think that, you know, this is something that should be celebrated. And that's why we're doing it. And then Cheryl, just for introduction, tell us your role in all this. Uh, my name is Cheryl Fry. <laughs> um, and I am one of the founders of the Long Island Regional Sea Consortium. And we actually started the project sitting in the car on the way to some conference somewhere. I don't know what it was. And uh, Steph Gaylor, one of the other founders, and I were just kind of shooting the breeze back and forth. And we said, hey, we need one variety, something that everyone can say, yes, I can get behind this. Just one to start with. And that's why we chose the, the cheese pumpkin. One of the reasons, strangely enough, we chose it because it says Long Island cheese pumpkin on it. So people would say, oh, hey, I know where that's from right away. Um, and so we brought the idea to a few different people and we wanted to get farmers uh, chefs, uh, seed savers, gardeners, schools. We wanted to get everybody involved in this, not just a few people who might say, oh, okay, great, I'll take this and I'll make a pie out of it. We wanted a huge uh, con conglomeration of people to work on with this. And so it was just the start. This is the start. And one reason you're on the show today is you got a brewery involved. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not really a fan of pumpkin beers in general, but because of the show, I've been learning a lot more about it. So uh, you brought this fellow from Blue Point Brewery. Introduce yourself, please. Hi, guys. I'm uh, Jim Richards, uh, senior brewer, and I run our cast program at Blue Point Brewing Company. I've had the honor of serving at Blue Point for 13 years of my life, and I'm pretty damn proud of it. So, uh, yeah, I'm here to talk about Long Island Cheese Pumpkin Beer. Uh, what we did to it, how we got it, um, from grain to glass. So I'm pretty excited about it. So Great. So we're going to cover all that stuff today. Um, first thing I want to jump in is, um, you know, pumpkin beer, the history of pumpkin beer. You know, why do people make beers from pumpkins? You know, the, the, I, the, for many years, I really wouldn't drink a pumpkin beer. You know, I feel like people emphasize the spices and the flavors. But it, it turns out that in, in the old days, they used pumpkins as, instead of malt, right? That was the fermentable sugar. Yeah, it was a lot of it. Um, a lot of fruit sugars, like, you know, malt, um, pumpkins, apples, whatever they could find could, could, could derive sugar from. They, cause they wanted that alcohol. Obviously, alcohol was the cleanest drink possible. And a fermentation beverage was a clean beverage as opposed to water. They had no water sanitation, no, you know, you know they might get dysentery everywhere. So, you know, fermented beverage was, was a thing to drink, a safe thing to drink. So, yeah. Ciders, you know, pumpkin beer, you know, some so they, corn. They would take, just take pumpkins and some other fruits yeah. and, and ferment from that. They didn't have malts. Yeah, no, no malt whatsoever. So no malting process. So it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read today I was reading about in 1801, there was kind of a list of, of the, the more common styles of beer. And it, and it was porter, ale, and then pumpkin beer, which is still amazing to me, but it makes sense. If you're saying that that's what they use to ferment. Yeah. Like I said, just, just look for a sugar source. Look for fermentation. So food for yeast, you know. That's all we need, right, to make that, make that alcohol. <laughs> so what, you know, why do people start making beer with pumpkins again? I mean, I read that, like, was it the 80s or 90s? This guy, Buffalo Bill Brewery. Yeah, Buffalo Bill kind of got it going. He kind of, kind of brought the style back. And then from there, it just kind of took off. And uh, then you got that, uh, that Sam Adams effect. So now you got the... Uh, Got every beer like hitting that shelf a month, a month and a half before it should be. So it's like, especially the pumpkin beers. It's kind of hard to have that uh, that early rush of pumpkin beers. Like drinking pumpkin beers in early August, you know, mid August. So yeah, I mean, pumpkin beers is a style that's always been around. 
It's nice to have it back. It's nice to actually make a beer with pumpkin again, as opposed just to it being a pumpkin spice, that pumpkin, you know, pie flavor. I mean, with this beer, it was uh, a really big labor of love for me. I mean, obviously, with my, with my close contact to the Long Island Regional Seed Consortium and the farm, I mean, it was amazing, you know, to have the ability to do this project with these guys. So, so take us through step by step how you guys decide to make the beer, the, the process of making the beer. And this, this gentleman over here, Ken Ettinger, he, he's like the – you're in the room and you have to talk to us. You're, so tell us your role. I mean, you're the guy that, that started saving just this pumpkin or you started the entire Seed Saver project? Um, no, they're, they're – um I was a, uh, I, I am a seed saver going way back for most of my life and uh, involved in the, um, in, uh, the uh, seed saving uh, movement, I guess, um, that was started by the Seed Savers Exchange and others. But what made me get involved with the, uh, the, the cheese pumpkin um, is that my mom would make uh, pumpkin pies uh, for every Thanksgiving, and they were really terrific pumpkin pies. And her favorite pumpkin uh, was the cheese pumpkin. She wouldn't use the traditional orange Halloween pumpkin. That was not the pumpkin that you would make pie from. It had to be the tan uh, cheese box shape, slightly flattened, um, round um, mushata squash, which is actually a different species uh, than Halloween pumpkin. And that would be a smoother texture, richer, uh, sweeter, um, and that's what she would need. So she was getting ready to go up to Dick's Hills, um, which is wasn't very far from the house on Long Island, and uh, purchase the uh, cheese pumpkin. But the farmer said, "Well, there aren't any seeds to be available, so they weren't growing any." So what I what I did is I searched um, for the the, the missing. Uh, cheese pumpkin because it had essentially disappeared from commerce. Seed catalogs didn't carry the cheese pumpkin anymore. So I went out east and I, I, I did find farmers uh, who are really the heroes of, of the story because a few farmers were still saving seed. Uh, they had saved seed from year to year and they had developed their own specialized uh, selection of, of cheese pumpkin. So I I uh, collected the pumpkins I could still find from the various farms, and uh, and my mom was delighted, uh, and she saved the seed, and uh, started to uh, uh, started to pass the seed on through the Seed Savers Exchange to uh, dozens and dozens of other seed savers. Um, so in in that in that way, uh, the cheese pumpkin became. Um, much more known uh, than it was, and, and eventually it ended back in commerce. And, and what is your role? Are you a, a botanist? Are you working with other I am. plants? I, I'm, I'm a retired uh, botanist. I, I taught at uh, the local um, community college uh, for many years. You know, when I grew up, I, I always thought that pumpkin came in cans. <laughs> And I never, oh, and you're right about the ornamental, the Halloween pumpkins. I can never actually imagine when I heard about pumpkin beers, I never imagined that you would actually cook with it like a squash. You know, what are some other uses of, of pumpkin that, that, that you know of and some of the history of, of this particular pumpkin? Well, I, I think all pumpkins come from uh, Central America, South America, and they migrated up uh, with the native uh, tribes uh, like corn and beans. And they were they were grown uh, when the colonists came. They were growing the three sisters, 
Um, they grew the, the corn and the pumpkin and the beans together in the same hill. Um, there's a kind of a synergistic uh, quality between the three uh, vegetables. And uh, they're good for, you know, some good for weed suppression, like the vines of the pumpkin and, and, uh, and so forth. Um, so the, 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 the native tribes uh, had uh, moved the pumpkin uh, to all over, all over North America, pretty much, and had learned the ability to um, develop the ability to save the seeds from one generation to, to the next and develop their own regional varieties. Um, so they were using it in stews and dried and, and probably um, to feed uh, uh, livestock. Uh, they probably had lots and lots of uses of the, uh, of the pumpkin. Um, but this, the cheese pumpkin is machada. It's, it's very different. It's more related to the butternut squash. So any way that you would use a butternut squash, you could use uh, the cheese pumpkin. Um, again, it's, it's a very different uh, type of squash than the, than the bright orange uh, pumpkins that you see um, kind of decaying on the doorsteps right now. But so in a sense, this Long Island cheese pumpkin is like the original pumpkin pie pumpkin, too. Uh, according to my mom, <laughs> she, uh, she said that. I've been trying that's to. Sure, I was going to say something about that because that's what I've been trying to tell you guys this whole week. <laughs> it's the pumpkin pie pumpkin. Well, we've been doing a little. We've been trying to do a little bit of research about about that, and there is we we have kind of an article that says where people were storing these pumpkins in their cellar specifically for pies that they would put them in there and you weren't allowed to touch them and they were prized uh, where you would come and ask for one and no you can't have that that's for a pie later on so so yeah saying that they were the original pie pumpkin of course they stored they stored them and that's what they were used for you yep, couldn't so. touch them. tell us more about the event this weekend laura yeah, so on uh, November, so the event starts on November twelfth. We have a really <coughs> distinguished panel panelists that are going to be um, that we're going, that's going to be talking about the cheese pumpkin. Uh, we have um, Eat Local New York. We have Derek here, so he's going to be uh, on the panel. Uh, we have Ken Etlinger, hey, of course. <laughs> hey Ken. We got uh, Steph Gaylor uh, is going to be on the panel. We have Amy uh, Goldman Fowler uh, that's going to be on the panel. Jason Fiscolo. Uh, is going to be on the panel. And who else am I missing that's going to be on the panel? Johanna? Johanna Kalodna, yeah. Yeah, she's going to be on the panel as well. So, uh, And during that panel, we're going to be doing a Long Island cheese pumpkin um, beer tasting of this of this, uh, this beer that we're tasting right now. Uh, and then we're going to have uh, some products that we're going to be tasting from uh, Eat Local New York, from uh, Maya's uh, Jams and Syrups. And then after that, we have a dessert uh, competition. So we have uh, some, you know, talented amateur cooks that are going to be uh, cooking everything from pie to God only knows what. And, uh, and we're also looking for more uh, cooks as well for the dessert competition. And now it's Sunday. You've got a cook-off. So, oh, yeah. So Sunday we have a, a chef's cook-off. Of the Long Island cheese the pumpkin. Long Island cheese pumpkin. Anything goes. Sweet or savory. Sweet or savory. Whatever you want. Come on out. And then Monday night there's a special dinner. That's right. Special dinner. We have five courses, Long Island cheese pumpkin beer. Um, Long Island wine, and we have uh, uh, four restaurants, five chefs. So there's Vicks, there's Hundred Acres, there's a cook shop, and then we also have um, Rosie's. Rosie's, great. Yeah. You did a great job putting this together, Laura. Thanks. And we're gonna have some fun drinking this yeah, beer for are. sure. Yeah, we are. We're gonna have a good time. All right, and uh, Jim, let's let's uh, make a toast and, and taste your beer. Cheers. And uh, appreciate we'll, us having we'll talk, us. We're gonna take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes and talk more about the Blue Point uh, Long Island Cheese Pumpkin Beer on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. 
Don't go in for understanding when you are away. Can't use my heart to think away. In 1996, Elknife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. All right. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a beer show, too. We're talking about the Long Island Cheese Pumpkin, the original pumpkin pie pumpkin. But uh, one reason we're on the show is that they made it into a beer with a Blue Point Brewery. So, Jim Richards, tell us about the beer in glass. Okay, so this is a uh, pumpkin oatmeal stout. Um, kind of the reason why I chose oatmeal stout as a uh, base beer for this is um, also kind of like, like, like with the crust concept kind of make it like that oatmeal as kind of like that bready kind of crust concept with this beer plus it's also one of my favorite style beers to drink so I mean, it's, i'm gonna make it you know i'm gonna make what i want what i like what i like what i want so that's kind of where it is um so you started with what our base Malt. recipe uh which is our, our pumpkin oatmeal stout with some little adjustments i had a few more a little more oats a little more biscuit malt just kind of like i said target that uh that crust kind of flavor so and then, at what point do you do you bring in the pumpkins? Yeah, um, I actually use pumpkin in three different different points. Uh, I use it in the mash. I use it actually in the kettle, like towards the end of uh, boil, just kind of get that little sugar content up a little, a little bit higher. Then actually post fermentation to kind of back sweeten it. So, so on on the vegetable side, I know that well, one reason a lot of these heirloom vegetables kind of went out of favor was more like mass production and whether they would the pumpkins would roll easily on a conveyor That's belt right. or things like that. So for, for you guys making a beer, what did you actually do with the pumpkin to make the beer with it? I mean, did you, did you bring in the whole pumpkins, you cut them up? Uh, so with that, we actually went to Invincible Summer Farms, the grower of this pumpkin, and um, they actually grew, uh, grew out 500 pounds of pumpkin for us. We took that into a uh, processor, made it down to 210 pounds of puree, then I used that puree in the actual process. So, Oh, that's great. So yeah. you, you use it in the... In the the mash? Yeah, I used it in mash. I used it in kettle. And I also used it in the uh, fermenter itself for back sweetening. So, yeah. yeah. And then do, if I'm, like, my nose or the taste, what if the pumpkin comes through? And I don't, Ken, if you're, if you're tasting it, do you notice a pumpkin in the beer? Because it's dark. It looks like a stout. And I'm actually really happy there it's is. a stout. I like is. that. There yeah. seems to be some, uh, some added complexity because of the pumpkin. I definitely taste the sweetness. Yeah, I, I get a lot of it in aroma up front, I yeah. think. I think aroma is kind of, um, when I drink beer, I think it's the first thing that hits you. You want that nice, whether a hop aroma, whether a pumpkin, whether, whatever you're drinking, I think aroma is a big part of drinking beer, but the sensory perception of beer. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a big process. So I get that initial sweetness um, on, on, the, on, the, on the palate. So it's not overpowering, but it's actually very nice. And it has, it has like a little like smoothness to it, I find. So... 
with It'd be it great on vanilla ice cream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or make ice cream out of it. So that, yeah. that's good too. Yeah. Right? Is there any spicing in there? I had minimal spice. Uh, I think I had like uh, it was a half pound per thirty barrel. So it was, it was minimal. So I just a little bit, just kind of give that again to add it to that kind of like that pie flavor concept. So so this this is kind of a larger part of this pumpkin project where you guys work with a brewer. And a brewery. That's and, right. and So are you selling the beer? Uh, actually, no. This was a one-off. This is uh, not actually approved for sale yet. This is mostly in our, in our tasting room and, and at this event. So this is, uh, it's a big thing for us to be working with being partnering with these guys because it's, it's amazing because it goes back to what we want to do. I mean, I mean, every brewer started, you know, home brewing back in the day, just, you know, doing five gallons, 10 gallons at a time. And it goes back to our roots, you know, coming from you know, grain to glass. That's, this is, this is great for us. I mean, local project trying to help out and trying to bring, bring something forward. So give back. I mean, that's, 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 that's what being a brewer is about, you know? So Ken and Jim, like, let's go back to 1801 when pumpkin beers were listed as, the more popular styles of beer in America. What do you think that beer tasted like? Oh, man. I imagine it was uh, probably really sweet, possibly maybe a little bit acidic just because of, um, you know, nah, poor sanitation, you know. Not spicy. Yeah, probably no spices whatsoever. Right. Uh, it would probably just be that uh, that sweet, viscous kind of liquid, you know. I, I, That's kind I, of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, to hear that that uh, pumpkin beer actually goes all the way back to the the days of uh, of cider drinking. I'm really not that surprised. If you think about it, uh, yeah. pumpkins, if you it, they grew lots and lots of pumpkins, what are you going to do with all those pumpkins? You can only make so many pies. So, hey, let's make some alcohol. The shakers <laughs> you know, that, that would be my first inclination. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol saves so. the world, right? That's right. I guess it's back to what Jim said that they had they had squashes and apples and and they brewed it. They didn't have malt. Yeah, no malt. They probably didn't have malt facilities and they didn't have barley for sure. Yep. Yep. And even though they're coming from England, they had the English tradition. You know, they got off on Plymouth Rock because they needed beer, but they weren't able to. They didn't have a malt facility and they didn't have barley, so they probably did. The, the first beer was probably whatever the Indians had growing. Oh, yeah, it might have been pumpkin and corn, corn. beer. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, probably corn. Exactly. Wonder if the natives exactly. uh, were actually uh, you know brewing uh, their. Uh, Alcohol from the from the pumpkin. You know, the, the, the myth is always the origin story. You know, Ken and Jim, how do you think that, that persons, people, I can't say man anymore, I have to say people. <laughs> they, you know, we have equality, but yeah. um, how do you think people first, you know, fermented? What was the origin story for you? I mean, mine, I'll tell you the story. It's it's the bear coming along, and there's like, you know, there's, there's a honey hive, and, and water got in it, and there's some kind of natural fermentation, and the beer, like... Eats and drinks and stumbles, or, or it's the the deer in the field, you know, chewing on like ripened, overripe, fermented apples. I mean, what do you guys have an idea of a ferment or origin story for fermenting? Well, that sounds like a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds like a great that story. One. That sounds much better than mine. You know, so well, what would yours have been before See, I put it in? Your I mouth? really think it was a bag of grain that sat there, uh, got wet. It you know, spontaneous fermentation from wild bacteria, wild yeast in the air. People didn't have any food. Like, well, I have to eat this. They started eating it. Like, wow, wait, that's sweet. That tastes different. What the, oh, God, I feel euphoric. Oh, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell has happened? Yeah. So, so I think that's kind of where it started. I mean, based on, you know, people had food. You know, it lived outside the world. There were nomads. I mean, they were, there was no, you know, settle, um, like settlements yet. You know? So I guess where it's, I think it all started. So I, and then that's people, my idea. People came together to make 
products like grains that they could ferment. Yeah, I think it started Otherwise, by accident. Otherwise, we don't need to be together. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it all started by accident. We happen to be here. So it's, it's, I think it's pretty cool. So. Well, that, I just made it my origin story for the pilgrims. They got here. They were out of beer. They found some, they found some natives with corn and squash, and they, they had a kettle and they cooked it. Does that sound good, Ken? And then they just left it in the pot to ferment. Sure. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Had a, uh, yeah. Kind of a big yeah. party afterwards. Well, you yeah, as, yeah. as a botanist, and you know a lot about plants, did, did you ever play around with home brewing or, or trying to ferment any of your botanical ingredients? I, you know, I, I, I did. I did a long, long time ago. And, uh, and it, was, it was just a, a, home, a home brewer kit. And I put bottles of, uh, filled with... Uh, Hawaiian punch and uh, and and uh, and yeast and, uh, and they they all exploded and it was and I uh, that's where I I just stopped I, I never did anything more I never looked back on my brewing uh, now I'll leave it to other Jim when did you start brewing How'd you get involved in it uh, I actually used to work in a uh, I used to work what I call hell um, it's a steel mill um, I made a lot of money but I hated it um, I was home brewing at the time I was dating this uh, lovely lady next to me and um, I just kind of chose one day I can either do this hate my life and maybe die or I can go after what I want to do and what I love and we went to actually she got a job in Kentucky at a racehorsing magazine went there for a year which was a horrendous experience <laughs> um, then uh, I actually I got a job at uh, Bloomington Brewing Company in southern Indiana came back to Indiana where I'm from uh, worked at Bloomington Brewing Company and volunteered at Upland Kind of learned my way. I was home brewing still and just kind of, you know, scrubbing floors, cleaning kegs, kind of earning my way. Just, you know, earning the right to touch beer because I, I believe it's a right to be a brewer. you got to earn your way. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I learned the old way. And I got respect for it like that. So, I mean, that's how it is. And from there, I wanted to go bigger. So I got, uh, I applied to Harpoon in Boston. They brought me out. I did about two years there. Then from there, um, our quality control manager, Alan Brady, left there. And went to Blue Point. He recruited me to come out there, and um, the rest is history. Uh, 13 years now, and it's an amazing place. So, so you guys, you know, years later, you guys have grown, and you have, you know, some new ownership. Yeah. But still, you guys are still brewing in Long Island. Oh, yeah. We're still on the island. We, I still have, like, my same production staff for the most part. Um, new guys added, the exact same beers, um, more ingredients, more support. I mean, I'm a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Did you always make small batch beers for the tasting room? Um, we always did some small batch beer, but not like this. I mean, the other day, I, looked, I was in the tasting room after, after work one day. Um, I think it was a Thursday. Just having a beer. And I looked at our board, and I was like, there are 10 new beers on tap. In my 13 years at Blue Point Brewing, I have never seen two new beer, 10 new beers on tap. And that's a credit to all my guys, all of our guys, because it's, it's all their recipes. It's all the beers they used to homebrew and ideas they have. And, like, we'll have a lager strain in-house. Let's say, let's brew as many lagers as we, as we can think of. And let's see what, what, how, how it goes, what, what we like. So, I mean, it's, that's, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's pretty exciting for our guys. I mean, because I mean, we're all still kids. I mean, we're all still, still homebrewers at heart. This is where we started. This is where we love. I mean, this is, this is our life. This pays my bills. This is real. This is not like, it's not a game. I mean, it's. People think, you know, okay, you're a brewer. Oh, you're out in the world. You're, oh, you're drunk all the day. You know, no, no you can ask her. I come home. I, I'm tired. I'm wiped out. I smell, you know, it, it's real. Uh, <laughs> my back hurts. This is, this is, this is real it's stuff. Like from so. the steel mills to the, the brew mills. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not getting burnt. So it's cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I dig that. So, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So. Well, I, I like the beer. Do you have a little more to tie me up? I do. I, 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 I like it. Yeah. So it's almost like, a, so like an oatmeal stout. 
with pumpkin. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. You know, we were thinking before about you know, a lot of us, the first reaction tonight was like, none of us really like pumpkin beers. And one reason is that it's, it's the spicings. And but a couple of pumpkin beers that, that I've liked over the years that have sold well at Jimmy's number 43 include Southern Tier Pumpkin, which, which many years ago seemed to be the one that stood out. Uh, our good friends Barrier Brewing and Oceanside Long Island have made for a few years the Saz Squash. Saz Squash, which is Saz Hops and Squash beer. Yeah, yeah. I like to know how they make it. And out on Long Island, too, Greenport Harbor has the Leaf Pile Ale, yeah. which, again, isn't. I don't know how much pumpkin it is. Do you know that beer? It's like a yeah, I know that beer. beer. They're great guys, great brewery. Yeah, barrier too. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about what they add to their beers because I'm not there. But you know, they're all great breweries and great solid beers come out of there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that was the uh, the pumpkin, the imperial pumpkin. That was like I think the first little pumpkin beer I actually enjoyed. It was that and uh, Cape May uh, uh, Fisherman's Pumpkin Stout. That was like the Kate one May pumpkin. Brewing, yeah. yeah, Kate May Brewing. That was like the one pumpkin beer I actually dug. Because, I mean, you know, I made this beer, and I'm not a pumpkin guy. So it's like it was crazy for me to make a pumpkin beer when I'm not a pumpkin guy. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I'm like, I'm not the guy you want to do this. You know, so. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was, and this was a theory. This was like, you know, I had an idea of what to add. Because I've never used raw pumpkin in a beer in my life. I, I have no idea. So... It was raw pumpkin puree. Well, raw, raw pumpkin puree. Well, processed pumpkin puree, but you know, I've never used actual pumpkin in the in a process. But the pumpkin matters. That's right. You start with the ingredients. The reason why a lot of people That's might right. not like the pumpkin beer is one, the ingredients that are in it. Two, is there really pumpkin in it? Yeah. So. That's one reason why I think this turned out to be such a success is because you started with a really good quality product. You started with a good pumpkin. With a pumpkin. Yeah. For real. Like a As real opposed one. to some right. beers that don't even have you, pumpkin. So you'll be tasting this beer Saturday at your panel and the cook-off right. and the dinner. Three at days only at Jimmy's number 43. All right. And I appreciate you came to me and That's asked right. me about it. Cause oh, yeah. You're ground zero for everything, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> and this pumpkin beer. So, could you, so Ken, have, you, you never toyed around with, you, 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 I'm sure you've cooked pumpkins and, and pickled it and, and baked it. But when you compare it to a butternut squash, then I get it. Because I mean, you know, when you see that Halloween, the ornamental pumpkin, you could never really, I could never think of eating it. I remember we used to carve them and cook the seeds. I mean, what about this, this? There's a seed value to these pumpkins, right? Like the seeds have oil. Um, you know, we have different chefs cooking it. From as a botanist perspective, you know, could you give us a sense of the different parts of the pumpkin and what you know a chef can do with them? Well, the um, the Long Island cheese pumpkin uh, can grow really large. I think uh, we had a um, a jumbo pumpkin 31. that was raised by a school group. That's right, the Edible School Gardens. Um, they partnered with Slow Food uh, East End. Uh, and they grew a uh, – so 25 schools participated in um, – they're one of our ambassadors, by the way, to the uh, Cheese Pumpkin Project. And um, they grew out this pumpkin in the Edible School Garden Program. And the largest pumpkin that was at the potluck, the Slow Food East End Potluck at uh, Hollockville, was a 31-pound pumpkin that the kids grew. So, And those were – you know, those were valued um, in the in – the Early days, uh, when there weren't any supermarkets and refrigeration, uh, because uh, even more than the butternut, uh, they last a long time. So you can harvest a squash in October, and you can still use it in May or June the next year. So they were really valued, and you store it in your kitchen anywhere, on the floor, and it just looks beautiful, and it's very useful. A large pumpkin like that is going to have a lot of seeds, and you're absolutely right. 
the value in oils and vitamins and uh, minerals that the seeds contain. Uh, I think pumpkin seeds, I think people are beginning to realize just how nutritious and important they are. What about um, pumpkin oil? Pumpkin uh, well, seed pumpkin oil. oil there, in, in, in Europe, um, there's a particular uh, pumpkin uh, that's used that doesn't have to be de-hulled. Um, so you can press those seeds and extract this beautiful dark green pumpkin oil. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good. Yeah, our friends at Rosenthal Wine Imports also have a food division, and they've, they always bring in really expensive pumpkin seed oil. That's like, it's a delicacy. It's like a garnishing oil or a salad oil. Right. You never cook with it. It's so expensive. Right. right. But I, it wasn't really until today that I thought about all the parts of a pumpkin, a.k.a. squash. I think if you called it a squash, people would get it more. <laughs> And what that's, do you guys think? Because pumpkin has a such bad image, right. and yet we all love pumpkin pie, but we also only like, I only like my mother's pumpkin pie. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the recipes. We're going to take a short break. I know that uh, Blue Point brought in some other beers, a, a Rye Weiss, some other historical beers, because so they've been playing around with that. We'll taste some of those. We'll be back in a few minutes here on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Let's go. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we're drinking the Blue Point uh, Special Pumpkin Oat Stout that's really good. I'm going to try. So at Blue Point Brewery, they've been experimenting with some historical brews. They made a colonial beer for uh, a, a spring uh, presidential debate on Long Island, right? Oh, yeah. We actually um, we found an um, old um, George Washington recipe um, based on, like I think he was at... Um, he was at he was wintering somewhere at one of the forts, and they, they found an actual like documentation that he actually was making beer at that time. So, um, and they used that, and they also kind of hybrided that with a, a colonial recipe they've found. So there's some uh, blackstrap molasses in this. There's some um, spruce uh, some spruce pines. So it's it's, it's a, a really kind of creative beer. It's um it's kind of an old world beer that's kind of brought back to life. So I mean, I used to uh, we used to make uh, another. Similar beer to this called Port Richard Dale. I used to be a, um, I was a, a brewer at Blue Point working as an outside contractor for Brickhouse Brewing, and we used to do Port Richard Dale out of there, which was a Ben Franklin's recipe. So it's, it's it was uh, so it's, this is like right up our alley is to bring back the uh, colonial style beer. So it's it's amazing for us. So well, that's what I wanted to do. Have, this is election day, United States presidential election, senator elections, a lot of. You know, things like judges that you don't even know who's running. But, you know, I wanted to talk about something historical and colonial. That's great. And this guy, Derek, uh, you're part of Eat Local. Tell us what you do, just briefly, because you're part of this whole project, too. Yeah, what for is sure. your Eat Local NY thing? <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, 
yeah, I guess it wouldn't be possible without Cheryl and Laura to to be part of the the Long Island Cheese Pumpkin Project. And I guess our our main involvement in it is kind of twofold. Um, just supporting farmers, people like Steph that are growing the pumpkin. I don't think the beer is possible. Um, any of the added value products that we're doing to to support uh, the project would be possible without the farmers actually growing them and connecting them to um, to people and, like and Blue what's, Point. What's your site? Eat local. The site's eatlocalny.com. And you have some products. But before, let, let's just jump off this. So we're talking about squashes. My issue is that problem with pumpkins is that we think of pumpkins as something you put on a porch. I don't really think that I want to have a beer made with pumpkin or food made with pumpkin, but I like squashes. So let's go to other, other countries, other languages. So we know in Spanish there's calabaza. Calabaza sounds cool and different. And uh, in Italian there's zucca. You know, ravioli de zucca is one of my favorite right. things. Are, are there any other languages or, or terms you might use or products that you have that, that use a pumpkin? But that might Because when I think squash, I think food. When I think pumpkin, I think Halloween. Yeah, we were playing around with a, a cool variety of squash called Lunga di Napoli, which is a, another variety, which is from the, the Naples region of Italy, which is a huge, huge squash that is a soup squash and feeds uh, communities in, in Italy. We've also played around with a, a couple other uh, producers, added value producers that are doing syrups and jam and really trying to, to add some, some power into purchasing and bringing back this variety. Yeah, so, so for Ken, for you, as a botanist, I mean... If you give them the mic, the um, the squash family is, is probably amazing for what it's easy to grow. It's it's got a lot of nutrition. I mean, it is. You know, you asked about um, different different kinds of uses of, of the pumpkin. Uh, Steph uh, Geller was uh, producing a huge amount of blossoms mm-hmm. uh, for New York City restaurants. Um, do you want to say anything about that, Steph? Steph's uh, here. There's, another, there's a lot of people in the studio. <laughs> um, we were basically using a lot of Ken's germplasm uh, of his novel varieties that were crossed that were would make these really interesting blossoms and small, tiny um, summer squash. So, yeah, I mean. They became a, a Squash blossoms sound good. And you can and you can use pumpkin blossoms. You can use the cheese pumpkin blossoms, the male ones that don't produce the fruit. But definitely, I, I like this. So for me, like in Italian in Italian cuisine, I really think that squash is appreciated, whether from the blossoms to soups to ravioli filling. And maybe that's where you guys have to go is is really put put this Long Island cheese pumpkin in the context of being one of the greatest culinary squashes in America. Well. You know, is that what you guys yeah. talk about? Uh, yeah, we do. I, I mean, read I, mean re- I mean, we talk about things like, you know, chefs swapping out butternut squash for pumpkin. Um, you know, like when we think about the butternut squash, it does have a similar flavor to the Long Island cheese pumpkin. But wouldn't it be great if we bumped these varieties that are hijacking varieties that should be celebrated? Historical varieties. I'm, I'm going to change the name to Long Island Zucca di Zucca. <laughs> <laughs> then people will go crazy. And they have, they have Zucca di Zucca blossoms <laughs> right now in the Unisquare Green Market. That's pretty sexy, I must say. That could be your name. That is sexy. <laughs> Here's a challenge. The next beer you make called Zucca di Zucca, don't put any malt in it and just start with like cut up. Cut up zucca di zucca. An entire squash beer, huh? Wow, that's that would be challenging. A lot of fruit <laughs> pecked in there, huh? So what's the next beer we have? This is a, interesting, like a rye so, beer. Uh, this is my uh, my rye wife. So this is another one of my babies. Uh, I actually used to homebrew this like 20-some years ago. I probably went through 300 different, different versions of this beer in my head. So um, we did this a couple years back, let's say like 2000, 2009, under Blue Point, and... Um, we made this beer, and we just finally kind of brought it back. So it was a brewer's stash. It's uh, number five in our brewer's stash. 
went out to keg, went out to bottles, and served in our taste room. It's uh, basically a campfire Hefeweizen. I'm a big camper. I like being out and outside. Um, fond memories of drinking Weiss beers, having Hefeweizens, wheat beers in my early days. In my still, still till this day, actually, I, I won't. I won't. I'll, I'll be a man. I'll, I'll, I'll admit to it. I like I like Hefeweizen. I'm okay with Why that. Why campfire? Brewer, so. You drink it in the campfire? Yeah, no, I just I, I or find you, you roast the, the rye on the campfire. I, I get that um, that heavy kind of sweetness and that rye, that peppery notes after that rye. I just find it to be more of a heartier beer. And as it gets cooler out, you want those hearty beers. You know those warming beers. Plus, it comes in at seven percent alcohol, so it's not a beer. It's not a uh, it's not a weak vice beer. It's not it's not one that you know you got, you can't respect. You gotta respect beer. It, it hurts you sometimes. So. so, Cheryl, what do you think of that you guys started with a, a seed saver project, and now you've got a brewery involved? Now, where is this going to go? From the brewery, I For think. You we, guys, huh? <laughs> well, to start, I mean, we just as seed savers and farming groups and all this kind of thing, we just honestly all loved beer. So it was actually our very first idea to get a brewer involved. Um, from there, we're not really sure. We want to celebrate other varieties, too. The cheese pumpkin is kind of the first one that we're doing. Uh, who knows? We might do other beers. Maybe we'll move on to some liquors. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But uh, this Maybe is a like- pumpkin seed. You know, talk about, Derek, are you working with any distilled products or any anything for cocktails? or? No, no, no distills. Um, <coughs> but we are making a, a syrup that you can make uh, cocktails with, which is kind of fun. A lot of... Uh, a lot of people have been playing around with so it's it, bartenders. A pu- a it's syrup. a Long Island cheese pumpkin syrup. Yeah, it's really versatile. Just really hi- trying to highlight the versatility of the, the pumpkin, whether it's on dessert or in cocktails. Do you, do you, Ken, do you think that a, a, a pumpkin seed would be a, a good ingredient for like a spirit or distilled product? Is that something that anyone's done yet? What do you think, Jim? Do you know about distilling? Uh, not really that familiar with distillation, but I mean, I know it's dangerous, um, which is which makes it even cooler, um, you know. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think anything that's fermentable that you can create alcohol out of can be distilled. I mean, we've done some in the past. We did some uh, no hop OHB or barley wine, and we distilled that. So I mean, I, I I really think, I mean, if you have the right base with the right alcohol and the right distiller. I mean, I, I think, you know, you can do anything you want. You know, it's, it's all about ideas. And if, if, if you have that, that one crazy idea is the next groundbreaking, mind-changing new thing out there. And, you know, you can't be afraid to try it, you know. And, Sarah, where, where do you think this, this Long Island Cheese Pumpkin Project is going to go? Because you, you obviously need farmers to grow up. They need projects. They need to be able to make sell it for, to breweries. They need to make, you know, well, that's the projects. That's up? the I mean, idea. We, we want to take this pumpkin and we want to... So, well, one point we saw is maybe seeing it in a can, which we know we're trying to say, oh, you know, get rid of the canned pumpkin. But there's something very specific about the Long Island cheese pumpkin. We want it to be versatile for people. We want people to be able to get their hands on easily. We've had a lot of people uh, emailing and calling us up saying, I have no idea where to even find this. Right. So step one is actually letting people know where it is. And that starts with farmers growing it. And then being able to sell it, people seeing it in restaurants saying, oh, that's what I want. I want this because I had it at such and such a restaurant. That's really the next step. Right right now, we just need to open up people's eyes saying, I want this in my kitchen to make it. it, Grocery stores would be another great step. So, Laura, if I'm telling my listeners this weekend, you can come as an amateur and and, and, and cook the the pumpkin into a pie and Sunday there's chefs and. 
whatever you want. But where can I get the pumpkin in New York City? Union Square. Go to Union Square. They have an app. It's a really great app uh, from uh, Grow New York City. Uh, you go on there, and the app basically, um, and we have it on our website. We post it under uh, Love to Cook if they go to that link. Um, basically, there's the we have a link to that app, and that app basically tells you what farmers are actually carrying the Long Island cheese pumpkin. So there'll, there'll be some in Union Square, like on Friday oh, or yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I think Phillips Farm is one of them. Phillips, I think, is the name of the farm stand that has the uh, has the cheese pumpkin. Um, they should go there definitely. Uh, Why was it called it. the cheese pumpkin? Because that kind of throws a lot of people off. <laughs> but it doesn't look that weird. It looks like a nice big kind of squash. Well, if you think about way back when, what cheese rinds looked like, it right. looks like an old. Wheel of cheese, basically. That's right. That's, that's where it comes from. And a lot of people are afraid of that name. You're right. It's a terrible name. I agree with you. It should be changed. <laughs> but we're not going to change it. Exactly. People know it by cheese pumpkin as kind Raviolis. of... Raviolis. There's nothing cheesy about yeah. it. There's nothing cheesy about no. it, Jimmy, at all. <laughs> and and if you know a place, if you've found a place, give us a you know give us a shout out. And we'll add it to our website. Oh, which, absolutely. By the way, our website is lirsc.org. So, you know, shoot us an email. We'll add it if you if you find one and we can, you know. Yeah, so all, all the fans, including myself, that never liked pumpkin beer, you know, you, you can like it. And know that in 1801, the popular types of beer were porter, ale, and pumpkin beer in America. And a lot of colonials brewed it out of necessity because they didn't have malt. And they definitely didn't have barley. That was a big thing. Right, Jim? Yeah, exactly. They had really no other useful, viable crops to make alcohol from. And again, alcohol was the safest beverage possible. I mean, again, fermentation kills bacteria, kills off, you know, dysentery, things like that. And you don't want to drink, you know, drink the water and get sick. You know, it's a whole, you know, going to Tijuana thing. You don't, you don't drink the water in Tijuana, you know, it's not how it is. So same kind of concept. And then Ken, for you, you, you must have, do you have a recipe from your, your mother or grandmother that uses the Long Island cheese pumpkin? Um, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, basically, uh, she she made a um, something like a, an, an egg custard, like you'd make a custard pie with eggs and milk, and then adding the uh, adding the the pumpkin puree that she would that so, she would mash up. Would she start by what cutting the pumpkins and cooking them? Yes, she would actually puree. Yeah, today it's easy enough to section the pumpkin into small pieces and microwave it. You know, ten minutes later you can you can just strip the rind off and mash it right up. But she would boil it in a big pot and then she would um, she would mash it like potatoes. So what I get in a can is that that's already kind of like a, a cooked pureed pumpkin. That is. That is. So there's just a, there's a couple steps, and then she would she would be pretty heavy on the spices. She would make a very spicy pie, um, so she would have um, a lot of cinnamon and uh, a lot of um, the ginger and some some cloves, and, and uh, then she had a pie crust that she would make, which was very nice. Uh, that added, and she would um, she would add uh, maybe two or three eggs to the uh, to the your standard. Uh, um, flour and uh, shortening and uh, and water combination. Um, so I think there are places where you can actually find her recipe. Yes. Uh, I know I saw yep. a card out from 
uh, from Slow uh, Food East End. Yeah, Slow Food East End. We do, and also um, Edible uh, Edible East End also published it in their ah, um, in their okay. magazine as well as uh, you could find it online. At so, Edible Laura, East so End. this is like I've known you in a long time, but you're yes. you're, you're uh, Audi's foodie. That's your handle. Yep. You're involved with Slow Food East End, yes. Edible East End. So out there, it sounds like you guys have a really cool like kind of agriculture food community. We do. I mean, everything is related. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's funny how all these things have fallen into place. I gravitated towards. Uh, the Long Island Regional uh, Seed Consortium because um, I have a passion for uh, food diversity and I, th- I have, I have uh, Cheryl to thank and Stephanie to thank. Uh, through them, I was educated about you know pretty much our food system and some of the issues that are happening within the food system and also uh, some of the things that we need to be celebrating in the food system. And so I feel um, you know that this is being involved in slow food what they count what they stand for is good clean and fair food and i believe that what stephanie and um cheryl are doing at the long island regional seed consortium is uh is really important stuff uh seed sovereignty you know really championing these varieties that need to be that need to be out in the public people need to hear about you know these types of varieties like the long island cheese pumpkin for example great Um, so we're going to wrap it up i'm going to go around the room we're going to ask i'm going to say start off one of my favorite things made with a the zucca, or the, the Long Island cheese pumpkin, I would say for me it is definitely ravioli de zucca. And everybody just say what, what, or it can be a drink or food that you like from this special pumpkin. Beer. Beer. You like pumpkin beer. <laughs> I had a pretty amazing um, Long Island cheese pumpkin um, lasagna this last weekend. It was apps pretty amazing. So that I think me. that lady, I actually, she made <laughs> it right there. Me. So yeah, I, I, I really dug that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that. So oh, thanks, Ken. <laughs> No, I think it has to be uh, pumpkin pie. You know, it still is uh, an indelible part of my uh, memories of childhood. So I'm I'm very partial to that. And Derek? Yeah, I mean, other than my mother's pumpkin pie, we've been playing around with some cool recipes. And the uh, hot toddy made with the pumpkin Ooh. syrup is is on Ooh. top of the list. <laughs> that sounds good. And I then haven't Steph. had that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Steph? Um, I would have to say the Long Island cheese pumpkin pizza. Actually, that Laura made too. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what about what about wow. the squash blossoms? That's we have a star. Uh, that, that was for something totally different. You guys have to make this this sound better. Come on, the squash blossoms in a nice Italian restaurant. What else? Mine is uh, gnocchi. That's it. Mine's mine's uh, pumpkin gnocchi Pump, or, or squash with ricotta. Yeah. Gnocchi di zucca. Gnocchi di zucca. Right. See, si. this is a fun show. We, we, we try to cover some things. You know, we had some shows recently about. You know, uh, food waste and making beer out of, you know, leftover bread. And this is another one we're trying to tie in food and, and beer this time of year. Well, it's election day, so a little bit of American. Uh, let's pop your colonial beer on the way out. So, you know, uh, American history includes making beer out of, out of pumpkins. And I learn something new each and every week on Beer Sessions Radio. A couple of shout-outs locally, November 30th coming up. Our good buddies, Big Alice Brewing in Long Island City. They're part of the Beard Mustache Contest. There's a lot of that, the, the, the Movember month and all that stuff. But check out Big Alice Brewing. They're doing a lot of new things. They're in Long Island City if, if you haven't been over there. And also our, our special event, Battle of the Belgians, is coming up December 3rd. Over 30 uh, Belgian and American-style Belgian beers at Jimmy's number 43. Always always worthwhile. So thanks, everybody, for coming out. And what what's the last beer before we close out, Jim? <coughs> Excuse me. This is our colonial beer. Um, so this is, I brought this out in honor of our election day. So, so this is the one that was a, a presidential debate with uh, Hillary Clinton and or Bernie Sanders or, or Trump. I think this was actually Trump and uh, and, um, Trump and Clinton. Yes, yeah. yeah. So this is uh, this is our version of a kind of a colonial ale. So um, it's interesting if you look back at um, like um, 
calling out beer recipes. Um, some of their terminology is very strange. So you're trying to decipher a lot of these things. It's like like how because they don't really know what they're using. They, well, they know what they're using, but they have really, they don't have the modern names. So it's like you're looking back and saying what they're calling brown malt. Okay, we have a brown malt now, but is that malted barley? Is that kiln barley? Or is that just you know fire roasted barley? What you know what is it? Is it germinated barley? So it's it's I would, I, that's what I found to be the most interesting part of this is like trying to decipher old recipes and trying to make that beer. It's kind of like the Constitution. What's the Second Amendment? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a militia right to bear arms, and you know <laughs> exactly, but exactly. This is I a concur. great show, and just think of thank you, America. Yeah, All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and guess what? Cheers. Right now, yeah. across the country, brewers are toasting to you and me. Yes. For this great American tradition of Cheers. beer. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. I'd like that cl- applause one more time, David. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Someone's voting out there today, and it was nice to see the lines at, at the voting polls. But I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Laura, Cheryl, Jim, Ken, Derek, and Steph for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, David Tatashore. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo. Cheers. Cheers. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.